And welcome to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. I'm Dylan. And we're here again to talk to you about games and storytelling and how all that stuff happens. And to begin with, I want to relay an anecdote that Dylan, you might already know. Uh, and on, audience, you might already know too. This is kind of a, a, I don't know if it's super common knowledge, but it's fairly common knowledge. Um, in the 1980s, there was a movie released called Blade Runner. It was a oh, yeah. it was a film adaptation of the novel, the sci-fi novel, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? And it followed Harrison Ford as the titular Blade Runner, a an operative tasked with hunting down and dismantling androids that were basically indistinguishable from humans without undergoing like a very significant test. Uh, and it kind of dives into the moral quandaries of like, what does it mean to be human? Is there a definition to that? What makes something that is so indistinguishable from humans not count as a human? And it's a very heady and thoughtful and groundbreaking science fiction film. This is this should not be news to anyone. What might be news to some people is that there are three different cuts of this film that you can find. Yep. The one that is worth watching. Wait, is it only three? I feel like there's there like might six be more, but there's seven. <laughs> there 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 might be more than I'm thinking of, but I can think of like three like big ones that I have I have heard kind of discussed in terms of like the big differences. Mm-hmm. There's the one that's worth watching to my mind is the director's cut, which is you know Ridley Scott's kind of idealized version of it. Uh, but that was not what was released in theaters when this movie was put out. The theatrical cut. Uh, they had been worried that the responses they had gotten from test audiences were confused about what was exactly happening in the story. And so after all the filming was done, they wrote in a whole lot of voiceover narration and had Harrison Ford go into a booth and just like read it all in not very much time. So the theatrical cut of this movie over all of this like really kind of groundbreaking and beautiful sci-fi cinematography and this moody story, you had Harrison Ford, who'd already been paid for everything, just kind of droning out this narration that they pulled him in for at the last minute, and it wasn't well written, and he didn't perform it well because he didn't have the time to like do any performing work with it. They would just needed to get it done so that it would be on the movie, and it's terrible. Mm-hmm. And what I want to talk about this week is that kind of voiceover narration and how games have used it and instances where I think that it has worked well and instances that I think where I think it has not worked quite as well. Mm-hmm. And the kind of impetus for this is last week, Ubisoft had a big press conference thing where they were showing off a lot of uh, footage of upcoming games and stuff like that. And one of the games that they... Uh, one of the games that they were showing off is a game called Immortals Phoenix Rising, which is a game set in a an interpretation of Greek mythology. Uh, it looks for all the world like they took the like gameplay and even a lot of the HUD elements of Assassin's Creed Odyssey 
and they took Breath of the Wild and they were just like, now kiss. <laughs> and from the footage I have seen, I don't know that this is going to be a game for me. Uh, maybe it will be. I don't know. But like it, it as at, and I feel weird even saying that because I'm such a fucking mythology buff, but like what I have seen gameplay wise did not really look like my bag. Uh, it looked like it was trying to be too many different things and none of them looked super compelling. That said, the footage we saw was all like alpha stuff. So who, who the fuck knows? Um, but they revealed one of the things that they revealed in this, in this gameplay is that the story of Immortals Phoenix Rising, the game is going to be presented through this kind of framing narrative in which Zeus, king of the gods, and Prometheus, the god who stole fire from the gods to give to man, and as such is chained to a rock where an eagle plucks out his liver every day, forever, uh, they're just having a conversation. And they're taught they're they are like talking about this story of Phoenix and the cool shit she did that helped out the gods of Olympus. And I really don't like this. Mm -hmm. And again, this I am reacting to like a gameplay preview of alpha footage of this game. So, you know, I am more than happy to eat my words if it comes out to be wrong. But a lot of it just seemed to be like you would, you know, they showed footage of your character like gliding down through this valley and then fighting some cyclopses and Prometheus and Zeus were just kind of like quipping at each other about what was happening. And it like, at least from what we have been shown, it feels like a, just a thing that they did for no reason, I guess. Mm. So, so it's not adding anything to the, the, the game itself, at least from what you can see. Yeah. For, and, and like I said, it, I'm happy to eat my words if this game comes out and like they do really cool things with this framing narrative concept. I'll be happy to be wrong about this. But what I have seen, it just, it feels like a really weak addition just to add like words to the experience of exploration. Mm -hmm. Which is even weirder when you consider how much this game looks like Breath of the Wild, a game that was so confident in just letting you be alone in the quiet yeah like I've, I've picked up breath of the wild again uh recently just as like something to play for yeah. in like my chill down time and i love how quiet and solitary that game feels and the idea of playing a game that is trying to provide that kind of and maybe it's not but like it looks a lot like breath of the wild trying to play a game that is trying to like provide that same kind of experience but with two people I don't care about quipping at each other over top of it just doesn't sound fun. Uh, do you think they're going for like a Bastion thing or... Um... It could be. And like, if, I'm, if I want to give them the fullest amount of credit, I mean like, maybe they're trying to go for like a Greek chorus type thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Because like, for the listeners at home, uh, Greek plays typically would feature, you know, only two or three actors, depending on kind of the era in which you're looking at theater, uh, playing all of, like, the named parts that are performing as characters on the stage. Uh, but then below the stage was an area called the orchestra, which was filled by a group of 
singers who would be who were referred to as the chorus, and they would, you know, depending on the play, maybe they represent the citizens of Thebes or a group of the Furies or, you know, whatever the play calls for them to be. And they kind of serve as sometimes as like an audience surrogate, sometimes as like an active driving force in the story that it kind of is exerting pressure on the actors like when they're the main ads in the Bacchae. And then between scenes, they provide kind of commentary by singing these odes that usually are not directly related to what you're seeing on stage. Like they'll be, they will be related, but it would be, you know, they might sing an ode about a different myth with kind of thematic parallels to the story that's being told. Uh, and like, if I wanted to be very generous to Ubisoft, I would say like, maybe that's what they're going for. I don't mm -hmm. really think that's what they're going for. Right. But, um, however, okay. I would love that. I'm going to look this up real quick. Yeah, it's called Immortals Phoenix Rising. Phoenix is spelled F-E-N-Y-X. God, I am not a fan of that name. <laughs> yeah. They, That's, uh... the, the, like, previous name, when they first teased this, they just called it Gods and Monsters, which is a way better name. Yeah. If that's, like, too simple, I would have just... I would have done Immortals Rising or Phoenix Rising. Yeah. I wouldn't... I feel like Immortals Phoenix Rising is... That's six syllables. Like, which I realize doesn't mean, revengeance. I, I realize that doesn't mean a lot for um titles, but like I feel like the the word your your title is, unless it's like unless it's like in, I don't know, because like Metal Gear Solid for whatever reason flows better to me than Immortals Phoenix Rising. Yeah, there's just like there's something about the 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 phonemes involved. It's like the mm. it's like demons souls. Yeah. You have to do a lot of mouth movement to get through Immortals Phoenix Rising. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm I'm watching the trailer, not the gameplay. I just yeah. realized, but I'm I'm digging the vibe of the trailer at least. Yeah, and like, there's it's a lot about the game that I think looks interesting. It's just like the let me let me see if I can find the the gameplay footage. It, it's it's in the related video. I'm just kind yeah. of really enjoying the vibe of this trailer so far. So yes, uh, it's opening with a narration. And so what what happens is that they're going to be going back and forth. Okay, I see. Okay, I could see this being charming if it doesn't wear out its welcome, but I'm yeah. not too confident that it won't wear out its welcome. Yeah. I and I think that's kind of the, the issue I have with it is, like, that's exactly my fear. Uh-huh. And I don't understand why it's there to mm -hmm. make up for that. Right. So it doesn't seem constant, at least. Um, yeah. But, like, yeah. It, it happens when you reach, like, a landmark or something. That could be all right if it's sparingly enough. Yeah. I Like, you know, this is just from, like, the minute or two I've seen of this 20-minute video. Uh, yeah. That has another 30-minute video after that. So, yeah, I don't know. Who knows? But where where do you want to take this conversation, Chris? Well, I, I want to uh, talk about... Oh, sorry. No, no, I was just going to say, because I, I, I definitely get the, the vibe or the frustration you're you're feeling with regards to this decision. Yeah, I guess where I kind of want to go is to a game that does feature voiceover narration in that kind of like, you know, third person omniscient vein mm -hmm. in a way that feels much more earned or much more useful. Yeah. Uh, and that is a game called Bastion. Bastion came out a fuck long time ago at this point, weirdly. Uh, 
when when was it was 2011 yeah 2011 uh and it was the first game from Supergiant games who have now made uh in addition to bastion they put out transistor and pyre and currently in early access hades and bastion is for one thing it's great and you should go play it it's a very very good game mm-hmm. uh but it's it's a kind of isometric top down action adventure game where you are exploring the ruins of this kingdom that has been struck in by something called the calamity which basically means everything is precarious platforms fly floating in the air and any wrong step and you're going to go plummeting into your death and bastion features this fascinating thing and i'm i I would be shocked if I had not talked about this in some other episode on this show. We definitely have. I know for uh, a fact we have. Yeah. But it features this voiceover performance, which belongs to one of the characters that you interact with in the game uh, and adapts based on what you do. So it... I And I... Again, I'm I'm sure I am retreading old ground and saying basically the same thing I said last time we talked about Bastion, but it it features this fascinating. I don't even want to think about like what the coding for this would have been like, but the narration changes based on what you do in the game. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, there's an early phase where the the player character who is only ever referred to as the kid by that narrator uh, walks into like the ruins of this old bar. And the narrator comes in and says something along the lines of, kid made his way to its old favorite watering hole. And at that point, you can, if you want to, just like walk right out the other end of the bar. At which point, the narrator might chime in and say something like, kid wasn't the sentimental type, though. (laughs) Or you can poke around and like, you know, maybe you smash the boxes in the corner looking for items. And uh, the narrator might say, a lot of tough memories in that place. Kid got to get his frustration out. Or like you can hit, you know, scattered throughout the world are like Pompeii-like, these like ash molds of the people who were killed in the Calamity. And if you like swing at one of them, they'll crumble to dust. And you can do that like at the bartender. And the narrator might say something like, kid never liked that guy. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm making all of this up, but like that's the level of reaction to what you do that, was coded in for this narration and it like on the surface it doesn't seem like that different right like on a surface level that's not that different than zeus and prometheus like huh they made it to the pillar like you know whatever the fuck they might say when you when you stumble upon some landmark but in in function because this is a character that you end up meeting it makes it feel much more tied to your personal story. Mm-hmm. It makes it feel like, you know, you know that this character that you meet that you were trying to help is going to get out the other side because he survived to tell this story. I think and because another, he knows uh, all the details of your story that you are playing. I think another part of it um, that helps is... I don't know. There, like that, kind of feels more like a role playing thing, where the actions you take kind of de- define the story that you're on, even if it's like something super minor and minute. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas, like having this kind of um, 
sketch comedy between (laughs) having (laughs) Statler and Waldorf on Mount Olympus looking down at you. Exactly. Like that doesn't really, that doesn't bring you into the story. If anything, it kind of takes you out because it's not about your adventure or your adventure being observed by an nearly omniscient narrator. It's, you know, it's a series of bits that, cut in whenever you reach a certain area or something yeah and like bastion is kind of unique in that way like i haven't seen any other games do that but supergiant has done that with a lot of their other things like in transistor it's not a narrator in the same way but you play a silent protagonist with a talking sword yep and your sword kind of provides like color commentary and reaction and like guidance as to what to do next, which ends up coming full circle when you find out who's in your sword. The the sword is loquacious to a fault. Yeah, and very good. Um, Thank you. But again, it's not just like we need a narrator to fill the air. They found a way to provide that kind of information through voiceover, through narration, in a way that is tied to the story and to the character that you're playing as rather than some guy on the corner going, that was cool. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's a very particular type of framing device. Yeah. And speaking of framing devices, there's another game that is high on the list of things that we, uh, we have talked about before and we will talk about again. Uh, But first, what do you say we slide into kind of an early playbill? Okay. Yeah, let's do it. So welcome, we're in the Playbill. This is where we talk about other shit that's going on and uh, things we need to plug, things we want to talk about. Hey Dylan, tell me about your other show. Um, So, you know, uh, a couple of weeks ago we talked about Anime Hell. Uh, guess what, I'm still <laughs> there. Um, And, you know, uh, if you want to hear two people in Anime Hell talk about how hopelessly deep into anime they are, you should check out Dude, You Remember Macross, a podcast about an old 80s uh, mecha anime that has since gone on to have sequels and spinoffs called Super Dimensional Fortress Macross. We, we, we talk about various animes, what we've been watching. Uh, we talk about the show that is the focus of our show, Macross. Um, and, you know, it's just a really good time where um, a couple of anime nerds talk about good old retro anime. Uh, and if you want to listen to that, you can find us on... I have it right here. Anchor.fm slash dude you remember. That's dude as in dude where's my car. And Chris, I love you, dude. I love you, um, dude. <laughs> we're also on Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. You should also go check out The Unexplored Places. It's an actual play podcast currently using the scum and villainy game system to tell a story about doofuses in space. Uh, Dylan and I are both in it. It's a great show. The last several episodes have been, I'm just going to say, real oh, fucking good. Banger uh, after banger. Let's, yeah, let's we, not mince we, words here. We really hit on some good shit recently, and the whole show is very good. So you should all go listen to that. It's really, really great if you like actual playstyle shows. You can find them on Twitter at UnexploredCast or by going to Libsyn.com slash, un- no, UnexploredCast.Libsyn.com. Also, I want to plug really quick uh, the Audioverse Awards, which are a... a 
an award kind of community award thing based on uh, audio dramas and, and radio plays and that kind of thing are going on. And I was in a show that is up for a couple of nominations and deserves to be up for a ton more nominations. So you should go to twitter.com and go to at God's Head Pod and nominate. There's there's a big banner on there that they have tweeted out uh, of everyone who helped make the show The God's Head Incidental happen. And everyone involved in that show was a joy uh, to work with and to create with. So go look at that and give it a listen. And if you like it, nominate it for the Audioverse Awards because they all deserve it. And hell, nominate me if you want to. That's much less important to me than like this show getting recognition because it mm-hmm. deserves it. Uh, follow me on Twitter at CJWilsonVO. Follow Dylan on Twitter at TheDilla, T-H-A underscore D-I-L-A. Uh, anything else to plug before I do the regular, the usual suspects? I think we're ready to hop back in. Well, first, thank you as always to the HP Video Game Podcast Network for having us on the network. It's a great network of video game related podcasts that we will talk about more at the end of the show. And thank you to our patrons at patreon.com slash bsgpod. If you like our show and want to support it, then you can go to (laughs) patreon.com slash bsgpod and do just that. Let's go. Wahoo. (laughs) All right. Hey, Dylan. Yeah, you know, up, you know Chris? what else they announced at uh, at this Ubisoft event? I do, but I'm gonna play dumb for the sake of this podcast. Hey, we get we are getting a Prince of Persia: Sands of Time remake. What? And I am equal parts excited about it and a little bit indifferent. Mostly yeah, excited. That sounds about right. Um, <laughs> but aside from being excited because it it is one of my favorite games of all time, and I'm excited about it being available for a new generation of people to play. Like, that's what's cool about it for me. Do a follow-up to the Zoroastrian Prince of Persia, you cowards. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I would love that. That'd be fucking great. Uh, But yeah, I don't know if it's going to be a game that I end up getting, but I'm thrilled that it's being made. Yeah. But Prince of Persia is another game that does really cool shit with narration. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Dylan, talk to me about Prince of Persia. All right. So Prince of Persia, uh, when when you start the game up, um, you control the prince and you go into this room and once he is in this room on a balcony he starts to narrate the game and he he prefaces his story it's one of the most iconic uh opening lines in any game at least that i'm aware of it's up there um, it's it's i feel like it's definitely up there which ubisoft knows because they use that those lines to start the trailer and um but anyway so he starts narrating this story um, and there's a bit of confusion because it's like, all right, is he talking to me? Is he telling me the story? All right. Yeah, let's go. And, uh, then you get past the opening FMV and you're finally playing the game and he's still narrating and he, so the, the, the framing device is that the game that you're playing is actually a story that the prince is telling to you until you get to the end of the game. In which the prince goes back in time and he's telling this story to his love interest to warn her um, that she can't let what's about to happen happen. Yeah, so it's... The game you are playing is something that has happened for the prince, but has yet to happen for the person he's telling it to. Yes. (laughs) Because it's a time travel story. And... Um, even more than that, I, w- I want to point out that, like, the fact that he's telling it to a character within the story is a plot twist. Yeah. And so this manifests in, like, on the one hand, you get kind of the standard things of this, which is, and again, like, pretty well-written descriptors mm-hmm. of, like, the prince talking about, like, 
coming into like the palace gardens or the menagerie or like the bathhouse and like when you enter any of these areas for the first time you get this kind of like longer introduction of like how the prince was feeling in his journey on this at this point or how he was feeling about what had gone on just before you you really get a sense of the loss um like as as the prince is uh traveling the the location the um the 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 castle of azad or something like that that that's where the game takes I think place that's right correct. yeah it's yeah. like the in the kingdom of azad and you're in like the sultan's castle yeah you know, you'll go to, like, an abandoned zoo that is now derelict because the princess inadvertently caused a catastrophe to happen. And the prince will narrate about the former glory of this of this zoo, how it was rumored to be one of the greatest zoos in all the land um, and all of the animals there. And it, it gives you a sense of what's been lost. And more importantly, the regret that the prince feels over his actions that led yeah. to the state of the world being the way it is. Which is really cool and way more introspective than a lot of games like this get to be. Yeah. Um, but then you also get this great feature where whenever you die, whenever you mess up, <laughs> and I mean like actually mess up because it's a time travel game, so you have the ability to like rewind time if you miss a jump or something. But if you run out of that and you get an actual game over screen, you hear the prince say, no, 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 that didn't happen. Or something like that <laughs> as your chance to restart, which like is a very little thing. But again, I just I appreciate the degree it's... to which they they went that extra mile to make even getting a game over and having to go back feel like a part of <laughs> it's, it's this just storytelling. Very charming. It's very charming. It's delightful. Um, and what would you say is the difference between that and uh, Phoenix Immortal, Immortal Phoenix Rising? I mean, and again, this is it's hard to say just because like we have so little to go on, and I would love to be wrong about all of my my right. down downness on this, but it just it feels so much less personal, mm -hmm. and like maybe that is just the way that it was presented in the conference. Cause if I'm remembering correctly, whoever was doing the presenting for Ubisoft talked about it as like, yeah, it's Zeus and uh, Prometheus telling the story of this thing that happened once upon a time, which just feels so like that is such a degree of removal mm -hmm. from what's going on that it might as well just be like, they might as well not have that context, right? If that makes sense, it, it's like, there, but it it's not really adding to the experience in any meaningful way. Exactly, like it's <laughs> not a and again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe both Zeus and Prometheus show up as characters you interact with, mm -hmm. but the way that it's been presented so far, it doesn't feel like ah yes, these characters that you rescued and that have like a personal relationship with you during the events of this story are like remembering it and there's not a clear like reason for the telling like in Prince of Persia it doesn't give a sense of like the kind of like hope that it's all going to be okay like it does in Bastion there's there's given the context we have right now it's just lacking weight right. I guess is the best way of putting it whether um, that weight is 
from that kind of like charm and storytelling angle or from a more like serious place it just it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like a holistically connected piece right. of design besides uh, just like it's the greek it's greek so epic poems i guess verbal story <laughs> like verbal you know non-written storytelling tradition oral histories sure I was a classics minor. I can make up stuff like that. <laughs> I, I don't know how to feel about it because I haven't seen enough of it quite yet. Um, but I definitely get where you're coming from. Um, Ye- and I, I'm sure, like, maybe there will be a payoff in the game. I hope so. There's Yeah, there's That'd no way cool. to tell beyond shadow of a doubt. But I just, you know, I like to be optimistic. Yeah. And really, this just, it it served more as a jumping off point to, like, all of these games that I do really like. Mm-hmm. that play with narration in interesting ways. Yeah. Um. And, you know, I don't want this to be like, I don't want your takeaway from this to be, Chris thinks Phoenix Immortals Rising or whatever the fuck it's called is going to be a bad game. Because mm-hmm. I don't. I have no idea. I hope it's cool. I hope every game that comes out is cool. I never see a game come out and think, I want this to burn. Um, But, like, more... Like we do on the show, I started overthinking about the narrative implications of what was happening, <laughs> and I was just left really wanting anything mm-hmm. from what we have been able to see. And yeah. it's a shame because, like, games have done very cool things with playing with this kind of storytelling. Uh, I don't know how it's going to pay off yet, but in even the vein of Greek mythology, I've been playing a lot of Supergiant's newest game, Hades, recently, and there, there is a an omniscient narrator that, you know, offers insight as you go through. And especially like you'll, you'll come across like interact with this pixel kind of things in new areas that will prompt the narrator to come in and talk about like what Asphodel is like. And when you do that, after everything he says, Zagreus, the character that you're playing as like quips at the narrator. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's again, pretty good. I don't know that it's building towards anything, but it's still giving me more because it's letting me get an insight into the character I'm playing as. Right. Because he's quipping back, you get more of a sense of, like, who this is, which then colors the interactions you have with other characters. And there's a great moment early on where, like, Zagreus discovers a, a great secret, Except he doesn't have, like, there's not enough there for him to, like, connect the dots until the narrator connects the dots for him, and then Zagreus <laughs> reacts to that. That's good. And it's really clever. And again, like, is it immediately tied in in some way that I can appreciate yet? No, not in the same way that Bastion and Prince of Persia did, but it's still something. It feels like a holistically integrated thing that they are doing that I am getting something out of. Yeah beyond just like some jokes but yeah that's really all i had i just i this i got one more actually oh yeah please um yeah so uh i don't know if i've ever actually talked about this because it's not a final fantasy entry i think about very often um but okay so i guess i'll I'll preface this first um final fantasy 8 and final fantasy 10 both have something uh cool in which uh a lot of other JRPGs don't do where the main characters of both games are very stock characters in their own way. Uh, Squall in the final fantasy eight is like, you know, he's considered your moody, like standoffish stoic 
JRPG protagonist. Um, and Tidus in Final Fantasy X is, like, the loud, boisterous one. Um, but what both of these characters have is, in Final Fantasy VIII, you are privy to, some like, Squall's inner monologue. So even when he's acting, uh, like, cool and standoffish, you'll, in the next text box, like, you'll get, like, in parentheses what he's really thinking. And that can be anxieties about the future, not knowing what to say, um... And so it, it kind of recolors him from this standoffish prick to someone who, like, is legitimately socially awkward and just doesn't know how to contribute to the conversation or, in some cases, be a leader. I really um, like that. It's really cool. That's really cool. For For some reason, you saying that just popped into my head the scene from that Hercules movie where he reads the stage direction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Disappointed! <laughs> like, just thinking about see, getting the internal monologue afterwards, but him just saying things. Yeah. I don't know. Is that, that what This is neither here nor clip? there, but... <laughs> I, I wasn't... I didn't realize the disappointed was him reading the stage directions. Yeah, that was... It was... Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> this isn't my planet. Parenthetical disappointed. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> it's so good. If you haven't if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google Hercules or search on YouTube Hercules Disappointed and enjoy the best video. <laughs> I just didn't realize that's how it's low so the bar good. was. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. This one's a bit more in terms of like narration where Final Fantasy X actually the story starts in like the last God, I want to say 10 hours of the 60-hour RPG. It might be like 50, 50-hour 50 RPG. I don't know. Um, Still, it's a Final important. Fantasy game. They are, they are hefty. Yeah, uh, some are more hefty than others, though. I'm actually yeah. curious, so I'll look it up, even though it's not important. Yeah, 40 to 50 hours. Basically have like this little cutscene where they, um, the entire adventure is a pilgrimage where they have to go to this holy place, um, and the game starts with them at the holy place and they're at a campfire and it's very somber and moody and you're not entirely sure what's going on or why everyone looks so sad and defeated um and then you hear uh, as as titus like climbs this hill and kind of looks out over this holy place he starts the narration saying listen to my story this may be our last chance and so oh, that's cool. then you play the entire game up to that point. So that's like, again, 30 to 40 hours. Um, and you get back to that place and, you know, it's after there's this huge plot re revelation about the nature of their pilgrimage. But everything up to that point is Titus kind of recounting the story of what has led him to this point. And so every, it's not a constant narration, but like every other significant story cutscene will have Tidus in the present chiming in on like what his impressions of a character were maybe or how naive he felt then um or how how embarrassed he is by how he acted uh just just things like that and so he's also uh performed by James Arnold Taylor who does like a fantastic job with Tidus in the present because it, he really sells the idea that, like, this has been a long journey and Titus has matured incredibly from the first hours of the game where he's kind of a whiny, like, 
he's whiny for good reason, but he is very hard to tolerate in a lot of scenes. Um, and so uh, having Titus as an adult kind of, or not as an adult, but having Titus near the end of the game kind of looking back on those earlier hours kind of, at least for me, um, made it easier to put up with him when he's at his worst. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I'm i trying to think if there's any other game I can think of that features that kind of like transition from past tense to present tense. Because mm-hmm. like Sands of Time does it for the final boss fight. Yeah. But that's it. And that's really cool. Like, I like that a lot. I'm trying to think uh, what other games do it. I think Final Fantasy Thirteen played with it, but I don't think they ever truly followed through because that's more of an ensemble cast. I'm sure there's uh, games, there, there's plenty of games that do the narration, like post-game narration to the player, or I guess end game in Final Fantasy X's case. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. Like, uh, guess... Metroid does it, but yeah, we, we've talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we might talk about it again. Yeah. Uh, I guess the, the note I want to leave on is, like, I do, I am curious to see what ends up coming of this choice in Immortals Phoenix Rising. Because if they do something really interesting with it, that'd be rad. And I, I like, I, if nothing else, it should be clear, I think that this kind of storytelling conceit in a game can be really cool and i hope that they do something cool with it either way if you think this is interesting play any of the games we've talked about so far because they're all very good yeah and until next time uh hey maybe drop something on twitter about if there's a game you can think of that features like third person narration in an interesting way uh let us know tweet at us we'll tell you how to do that in just a second Rather after I say thank you for listening to this week's episode of Backstage Gaming. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, remember to leave a rating or review on iTunes. Wherever you get it, wherever you're getting us from, iTunes, Spotify, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, whatever you it is, share it with your friends, share it with your family. Tell everybody about it from a safe distance, from behind a mask. Don't go outside if you're on the West Coast. All that good stuff. Everyone stay safe. I love you. Please don't die. Also, check out our website at bsgpod. No, B- <laughs> Yes, sorry, I forgot. I got emotional and I forgot how to do the plugs. Our website is bsgpod.com. If you want to know more about the show or reach out to us directly, that's the best way to do that. That's bsgpod.com. bsgpod.com. Are you good? Yep, I'm good. Okay. Um, I just forgot what I forgot we were doing a show. If you if you want to find us on social media, <laughs> you can find us on Facebook or on Twitter where our handle is at bsg underscore cast. Um you can also you should also use that hashtag BSGpod to engage with us um, because, you know, we uh, we appreciate it. It uh, it gets us to notice you and it also boosts us a little bit. So, you know, we, we always love it when people do that. Um, also, huge thanks to our friend Brendan French for the key art he has provided our show. Um, if you dig his stuff, you should go to his Squarespace at brennan-french.squarespace.com. That is B-R-E- N-N-E-N hyphen French dot squarespace dot com. You can also find him on Instagram.com slash Brennan French Arts or on Twitter where his handle is at Brennan underscore French. You should also go check out our friend BioQuery. He's the musician behind our theme song Dot Sound Radio Volume 1 Instrumentality. He's a great 
electronica composer and musician. You can find more of his music by going to soundcloud.com slash bioquery. That's soundcloud.com slash B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y. Or by searching for bioquery on Spotify. Thank you, as always, to the HP Video Game Podcast Network for having us on the network. If you like our show, you'll probably like some of theirs. There are a bunch of shows about video games, all from different angles, sometimes from the news side, sometimes from the development side, sometimes just from the, like, what are we playing right now side. Uh, and you should go check them out. You can find all of them constantly being retweeted on Twitter at HPVGPodNetwork. Thank you also, again, to our patrons at patreon.com slash bsgpod. It is your fault, I guess, that we're able to do this so easily and so reliably, and it means the world to us. So thank you to you, and if you want to help us and want to support us and want to help us grow bigger and better, patreon.com slash bsgpod is a great way to do that. That's all I got for this week. I hope you enjoy it. Like I said, stay safe. There's a lot going on in the world right now, and I hope that you are all able to navigate it as best you can. And we hope that we are helping in these troubling times. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Goodbye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.